Hey, I've had a love-hate relationship with anger my whole life. I've always felt like it was a powerful emotion, and yet if it wasn't me feeling it, I was so intimidated by others being upset. So I wonder, how is it for you when somebody is upset? Like in general, how does it affect you when someone isn't in the best mood? Because I think for a pleaser and a perfectionist, it can really throw us off. We feel that tension and we just want to subtract it from our experience. We'll do lots of creative things to avoid it, explain it away, fix it. You name it, we've tried it. Well, if anger, yours or others, isn't really your favorite emotion, I'd like to invite you to listen to the podcast today. It's really not a mystery why we, as pleasers especially, avoid anger. Okay, I'd love to dive into the list of reasons why we don't do anger. See you in a minute. Hey, it's Vicki Smith. Welcome to Power to the Pleasers podcast. Want to start doing things on your terms and finally feel confident just being yourself in relationships? Well, you've landed in the right place. Here we break down your people-pleasing and perfectionistic patterns so you can move from being polite and doing it right to showing up, speaking up, and even laughing it up with people. Not sure it's possible? Well, stick around, friend. I'll show you how. how are y'all doing? I wonder if you've ever answered that question with, well, I'm kind of pissed off actually. (laughs) Like, have you ever as a people pleaser admitted you were angry or disappointed or any facet of frustration? I know for the longest time I swallowed any of those feelings. I just kept a smile on my face. I didn't say anything at all because I did grow up with, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And I understood that, so lips were sealed, right? If I had any type of anger. Well, I want to focus in on anger today. I call anger one of people pleasers kryptonites. And I'm going to do a little series with you about people pleaser kryptonites. And I really want to focus in on anger today. I want to talk about our aversion to anger because even though we're people pleasers and we try to kind of disarm any tension around us, we are not immune to ourselves feeling angry, frustrated, irritated with people. It is a feeling, an emotion. You cannot, as a human being, avoid emotions. Even when you deny that you have the feeling, it is still there. (laughs) I listen to some of my clients talk about how They really don't feel anger because they only tap into this calming sense of understanding. So when another person does something to them, they have, they, they launch into the understanding superpower of, oh my gosh, you know, I I get why they would think that, or I get why they would feel that. And it actually takes down their irritation. So they get to feel the relief from being understanding. But you can only be understanding to a point. And fractions will build up. And then what happens? What do you do as a pleaser when the infractions build up and when you get to that inner boiling point? Because you can only excuse away bad behavior for so long. 
and you can only say, oh, it's not a big deal. That's not a problem for so long. Even if you deny and discount anger as much as you can, you will still experience it. So I want to talk about why pleasers have a hard time with anger. I want to talk about the struggles we get into when we feel anger. All right, so here are five ways I've broken down the reasons we get tripped up by this feeling of anger. One, we had a bad experience with anger early on. Let's say a caregiver, an authority figure, an adult showed anger and it scared us. They might have been irritated or they might have been full on raging. But the point is the experience left a mark on us. And as pleasers, we are pretty sensitive to other people's energy. So I will bet good money that you felt tension coming off the person that was angry. You felt that energy or you actually saw (laughs) their scrunched up face, their narrowed eyes, their tight mouth, whatever, all the signals that we know just as humans that say, "Mm, somebody's not happy, right? And we make sense of those expressions of anger as this is bad. This is scary. This is hurtful. This feels out of control. And we remember in our tissues, we remember the feeling of either witnessing that out of control emotion in in someone, or if it was even directed to us, we definitely will remember that scary feeling inside, that feeling of being hurt by someone. And because we're human beings, we will catalog and unconsciously promise ourselves that we will try to never go back to that hard feeling again. So, hey, let's make other people happy. Let's do what they want us to do. Let's not upset them. So yeah, okay. We're just kind of not dealing with anger at all because we're trying to be the best pleaser we can and disarm everyone. Well, sorry. (laughs) I know the experience we have of anger creates our belief around it. And that belief says anger is bad. It makes people tense and scary and creates distance. And we promise that we won't ever do anger. We still feel anger and we can't always control other people's anger. So bad experience of anger impacted us. And we said, we never want to feel that again. That's why we have a not so great relationship with anger. Number two, nobody taught us how to be angry. Maybe they taught us what we didn't want to do with anger. See point one that I just made, but no one helped us move through our own feelings of anger. Okay. I think about this as like, As kids, we emulate the people around us. We learn from the people around us. We learn what to do, what not to do, right? I learned pleasing from my mom and I learned anger from my dad. And here's the thing though. I saw my mom have this miraculous, magical sense of calming my father down, right? And she did that through people pleasing or she did that through caretaking. But he would still express himself you know, he would still express his emotions, right? And often his emotion was frustration. So even though I saw her trying to make him happy and I tried to copy her a lot of times, 
he would still feel that anger and that tension would still be in the room. It would still be between us. And I also still had anger, right? I also, because I'm human, I would also get upset. If I wasn't allowed to go spend the night at somebody's house, I would get upset. I wanted what I wanted. And if I didn't get it, I had a feeling about it, right? But no one was really comfortable with my anger. My dad had anger. My mom tried to help him with it. But I really couldn't have anger. And I wasn't really shown how to speak about it, how to express it, how to process it, because anger wasn't okay. (laughs) I think about it as like feeling school. I didn't get to go through feeling school as a kid, right? I mean, it was the 80s. What can I say? There was a sense of sort of do as I say and not as I do. But this left me sort of in a go at it alone place when it came to my emotions and especially my anger. So I couldn't throw a tantrum outwardly. I couldn't rage. I could be silent with my anger and keep it inside. And now that I think about this and look back on it, it was like, wow, I wonder why I had so many stomach aches as a kid and then as a teenager. (laughs) Go figure. It has to go somewhere, right? So emotional intelligence or this feeling school idea, those those concepts, those tools teach us names for emotions. And they also give us permission to have all of the emotions that we do as a human being. And emotional intelligence, having someone walk you through a feeling, because it will take over. It'll, it'll kind of wreck your body a little bit, especially as a little human, but having someone teach us how to speak for our anger and put names to it, labels to it, different things like irritation versus rage. If we have somebody that helps us with the skill of using our words to express ourselves respectfully, then we have a different relationship with our anger. And we often speak for our anger instead of from it. We often can respond to the signal of anger that we're having instead of be reactive and kind of spew it out on other people. So if we learn how to take care of our own emotional expressions, we can kind of change that belief that anger especially is scary, hurtful, and bad. Okay, number three. Numbers one and two kind of lead us to number three, which is we do not have a dimming switch for our own anger. We do not have a great concept of the spectrum of anger that can go from mild irritation to flat out seeing red. We don't have a way as a people pleaser to let out a little bit of anger and live through that experience. And without the option to express our anger and emotions of displeasure in general and the tools to help us name it, talk about it, not shame and blame someone, it just ends up stacking up inside, right? If we don't have the the opportunity to talk about irritation when it's on a low level (laughs) on that dimmer switch, we will go to rage. And because of numbers one and two, we often hold back. 
right? And when we hold back and it stacks up, like I said earlier, stomach aches, teeth grinding, self-destructive behavior, whatever, it's got to come out. This is a wild primal type of energy. It is our nervous system being in the fight mode, as in fight or flight or fawn, which is what we do as pleasers. It's how we try to ease the tension, right? In the moment. But that revving up feeling, that activation inside, that fight sense, it absolutely has to go somewhere. Laws of physics and all of that stuff, right? That is why we end up exploding. We don't have the dimmer switch. We don't hear the signal when it's a, you know, a small bit of irritation. We put it behind us. We explain it away. We're too freaking understanding. We just, that's okay, that's okay. Or we feel like it's, it's going to cause more harm than good. And eventually it will come out. It will explode without our dimmer switch and without our emotional intelligence and our ability to talk about it. So even if we're alone and we scream in the car or the shower or into our pillow, the emotion has to have an outlet. Now, sometimes we explode on a person and maybe that's actually our safe person, like the person we trust to be able to handle it. But still, that level of expression can scare us and remind us of the person we learned anger from, the person we don't want to be like the person that was out of control. And we're back to number one again, the belief that anger is bad and scary and hurtful. So I want to put this sentiment out again. Without understanding of this emotion and a way to have a name for it, respect it as a signal, respect it as something that's just a natural human experience, Without those understandings of this emotion, we will resort to denying it, stuffing it, and then reacting. It will come out. So we need a dimmer switch. We need the, the ability to understand that there is a little signal of irritation and we can start to talk about that. Or we can just watch it build all the way up to wild red rage. Okay. Number four, anger is a distancing emotion. It pushes people back and out of our space. So ideally, when we say to someone, you know, no, or something like that, what we're doing is we're trying to get our breath. We're trying to get ourselves back together, right? And we want someone kind of out of our energetic space so that we can get a hold of ourselves and then we can proceed. Pleasers don't really like to say no, right? They don't like disconnection and anger when it's spoken, whether it's spoken in a respectful way or it's spoken in a reactive, rageful way, it breaks connection with people, right? It puts people on defensive. Sometimes people even like you see them like lean back, step back, it creates disconnection. And as pleasers, we do a ton of work to draw people in, right? To connect to them by making them feel good, feel cared for, feel important, all that stuff. We want to be seen and heard and we want people around us. 
So why would we set a boundary or say no or express anger if all of those things are kind of like hand up, palm out that indicates stop, don't come any further? It makes sense that we wouldn't want to jeopardize a relationship by doing anything that creates distance. So even if we aren't white, hot, red, whatever, (laughs) boiling over ragers, we still put a lid on our anger with people that are close to us because we're afraid of losing a connection with them, of losing that sense of safety with them, that sense of I'm important, I'm not alone. We don't want to jeopardize that connection by upsetting someone. Number five is guilt. I could just leave it at that, right? Guilt, end of sentence. (laughs) This is a big time tripper upper for a pleaser. As pleasers, we empathize really well. We use the superpower of understanding that I mentioned earlier to give people the benefit of the doubt. And that superpower of understanding somehow dissolves a little bit of the anger that we feel. And I mean, let's think about our parents for a second. We're adults now, right? So at this point, when we think back about those early experiences of anger, we probably know a little bit more about our parents, right? I mean, we we probably understand that our parents had, maybe they had like hard-ass parents themselves. And so we can easily justify their not so enjoyable or conscious behavior, (laughs) right? And we can even see that we have tried to be the counterpart to their hurt by pleasing them, taking care of them, holding back our own dissatisfaction about relationships, uh, relationship dynamics with them. So when we feel our own anger it can be confusing for us because we should be understanding, right? This is where guilt comes in, right? We should be a certain way, but we're feeling another way. And now I feel bad about the way I'm feeling. In other words, I feel guilty about it. I think about guilt also as it's misplaced responsibility. And people pleasers are so good at taking responsibility for a bunch of stuff that isn't theirs to be responsible for. As a pleaser, it's almost like I can go ahead and feel guilt just for thinking something negative about another person, just for thinking irritation about someone. (laughs) You know, being irritated because they're asking me to do even more than I've already done, right? And I have this like, scrunched up feeling inside and I'm pissed, I can go ahead and feel guilty for just thinking my anger, for just having a twinge of it. Guilt feels bad, doesn't it? It's heavy. It has a bunch of shoulds wrapped up all in it. Again, I shouldn't feel the way I'm feeling, but I do. So what am I supposed to do about that? Mm. So if we can shut down that internal pushback of our own anger towards people, if we can be super understanding and justify their bad behavior and give them the benefit of the doubt, we can sort of escape our own guilt. At least we hope to be able to do that. But 
we have put ourselves into a trap because we feel the anger (laughs) and to deny it and feel bad about a feeling that is true and real and authentic and we have permission to feel because we're a human is a trap for us. And if we feel anger and we actually do express it and we create that disconnection that we don't want to feel, we feel like, oh my God, I'm selfish. I wasn't understanding (laughs) and I feel bad about it. But if we hold on to our feelings and we don't share them at all and we just think angry thoughts and it turns on us, We don't get the benefit of expressing ourselves either. We are caught. We don't share with the person or we do share with the person. It's like, where do I go with this? (laughs) I feel guilty either way. I share with you and I feel selfish and I feel the disconnection or I don't share with you and I feel guilty inside and I keep the secret of my anger to myself. It's kind of like we can't feel anything negative as a people pleaser because we're just afraid of what it will do to us, do to our relationships. And the things that we do feel, especially if they are in the negative category, we judge ourselves for it. But I just want to tell you something. Guilt is not a noble feeling, okay? It stops us from showing up in our relationships and and it excuses away bad behavior that the anger is trying to tell us is not okay. Anger is a very helpful, vital signal for us. It says a boundary has been crossed. Something isn't safe anymore. We need anger. We can't stop our anger from happening, and please, to deny it is frankly a lie. (laughs) To deny that you have it, you're lying. So I'm going to call you out on that. All all this anti-anger stuff, it's just not helping anybody, okay? It eats you up inside, and it keeps people from knowing who you really are. And to fear anger and only have this one belief about it that it's bad and scary... Well, you're not seeing it holistically. Emotions aren't just one setting. They're on that continuum, right? They're mild. If we ignore them, they get louder. But they're also waves. They exist, they arise, they exist, and then they pass away. And if we're only taking that one snapshot of anger when it's at the crest of its wave, when it's at the height of it, when we go, oh my God, anger is horrible. It means someone's out of control and they're going to hurt us. Sometimes that's not exactly true. If somebody has hit us in a fit of rage, it's true. But when we catalog anger as all bad or all scary, just because we're taking that one part of the anger when it was at the crest of the wave and the person was their most tense when we were talking to them and they had their most raised voice when we were talking about them. If we only say that right there is anger, the crest of that person's anger wave, that's what anger is. And we ignore 
irritation or we ignore what happens after that anger has been expressed, no wonder we're trying to avoid it. But I want to tell you, it's not just that one snapshot of anger. And if it is really hard and scary with one person in your life, please don't project that onto everyone else about their anger and about yours. Try to see anger in that dimming switch continuum kind of way. All right, so in this series on people pleasers, versions of kryptonite, I want to be sharing with you some other things that derail us. But I just, I had to start with anger because honestly, it's my favorite. You know, I really love when people pleasers start to appreciate and allow themselves to be angry. And when they get to know their version of anger, not the person that scared them or hurt them from anger. So befriending your inner anger It just gives you the option to speak for it and be responsive to the signal instead of denying it, pushing it down, having it accumulate, and then taking you over and making you feel scary, hurtful, and out of control. Being your own inner anger advocate makes the emotion the useful experience that it is. It allows the emotion of anger to do its job, which is to let us know a boundary's been crossed, there is a threat, and we need to protect ourselves. So think about befriending your inner anger. Think about what it might feel like for you to learn the language of your version of anger and be able to start putting words to it to then share it with other people, not from a reactive place, but for your anger in a very respectful manner. All right. I hope that's been at least interesting about ways that anger is our people pleasers kryptonite. I will see you next time with, I don't know, the other kryptonite topics are disappointment, conflict, and guilt. We might spend a little more time on Gil. I don't know. But until next time, friends, peace out. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about me and how I work, please go to www.powertothepleasers.com. And if you want to get even more special attention, get on the mailing list. It's not fluff. It's not going to waste your time. It's always intentional and educational. So I'll see you there. Later.